Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with singer and musician Crystal Warren. This talented artist is from the jazzy confines of Kansas City, Missouri, and these days she lives a click outside of Paris and France. She just released a new album in 2017 called Three the Hard Way, and it was a new way of assembling an album for her, and she explains... Over the years, she has consistently grown into a very talented artist that moves between the genres of jazz, folk, and much more. Things are taking off, as usual for her, and there is much, much more to get done. She's wise and has many stories to dispense. So get to know her and dig this interview, my friends. Crystal, thank you for taking a minute out to talk with me today. I appreciate it. So, so thank you for your patience. No worries. No worries at all. So I want to go ahead and start off here. Your latest album, Three the Hard Way. Talk to me about this album. I really enjoy it. Well, I'm happy that you enjoy it. I'm pretty happy with it too, actually, and I'm I'm never really satisfied with anything that I do or anything I'm a part of. I always think that I just ruin it. Um, but yeah, so it's really the hard way it came about because of, of Ben Kane, um, an old friend of mine, who um, said let's let's produce something together. About nine or ten years ago, we had gotten together in a studio in San Francisco and recorded three songs together where I was playing instruments and whatnot, but we were doing it to Pro Tools, so we could always, you know, cut and paste and stuff. And, uh, and this round, we said, well, why don't we do that again, but let's record it all to tape. So try not to flub it up too much, KW. Okay, well, let's give it a go. <laughs> yeah, you know, Kane just kind of, I won't say pushed me, but guided me into the direction of exploring gospel and and using that as, as uh, I suppose, uh, a conduit to to explore issues that would not otherwise be affiliated with praise music. And we just took it from there. I hope that I answered the question. You did. It's in the babble. Okay. No, you're good. No, I like it. So you grew up in Kansas, correct? I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri. Okay. <laughs> I had seen allusions to both, and I, I, I hadn't seen an official bio that said one way or another so kansas city missouri um and you're in paris these days um just outside of it yes so talk to me about your upbringing how did you get so interested in music and how did that take off for you i've always just really dug music um whatever was playing i didn't really have uh, the snobby sensibility that i have now uh, at that time my mother playing Anita Baker or Will Downing and then the next minute I'm asking my Aunt Mamie if she'll buy me the, the soundtrack to Disney's Beauty and the Beast, you know, I just, <laughs> I always liked music. I didn't think that I was going to end up working in music for a living. That that thought really came came by surprise when I found myself in that position. When did it start? I mean, you're obviously proficient with multiple instruments, your voice. When when did everything start? What was the first instrument and how did that progress for you? I guess it started um, while I was on KC. I, I bought a guitar when I was around 16 or 17 and didn't really make any, uh, anything sound good. Or <laughs> uh, I, I, I wasn't able to really create any chords in a sequence until maybe I was 18 or 19. But while I was getting my head around, you know, playing an instrument, I was doing 
jazz gigs around KC. So I guess that's really where it started as far as playing professionally. I was um, performing with Greg Richter, uh, David Bassey, Solomon Dorsey over at um, the New Point Grill, uh, just off of Southwest Trafficway, I believe. And then would occasionally pick up gigs with Mark Lowry and, you know, a lot of the, the usual suspects in the, the jazz community in KC. Um, so that was, I guess that was kind of moonlighting at that time as a singer-songwriter, going back home and taking a stab at writing. How influential, you know, we're coming from a jazz perspective here with Neon Jazz, how influential has jazz been in your development as a musician? Highly influential. I think that, in fact, I know that a lot of what I compose directly stems from the lessons that I was taught on the bandstand uh, through instrumentalists. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you the names of the chords that I play. I still haven't learned that part of it, but I think that doing those gigs in KC um, definitely gave me a, a sense of a music theory. You know, the one thing that's, that's instrumental and very key about your approach, too, is you go from jazz, you go to folk, you go to country. There's, there's a lot of different blends of genres that go into who you are. Do you ever think... I'm going to do this genre when I go out and play live or when I'm making this album, or does it just kind of come out of you as a natural artistic osmosis? Well, you know, with Three the Hard Way, initially what I said to Kane when we agreed to work together to, to produce the album together, I said, let's make something happy. And in my mind, it was going to, I guess, stylistically veer towards something that was a big a bit folk jazz, I suppose, with with kind of the the mix of what I always do. Actually, there's there's that mixture of country and and whatnot, as you had said. So, I I guess I had intended on, you know, making another love songs, the record that I had released five years before, or something like Circles, but with less, you know, production. What's always been difficult for me has been sticking to one genre um, and specifically in the studio you know on, on stage I can go wherever I want but in, in the studio it was really Kane who said I want you to try to stick to this one genre and it was it was a challenge honestly uh, getting these songs together um, and I had never written against the clock I knew that he was going to be arriving in France on the what was it, the 30th of January, and I was still riding up until, I don't know, 3 in the morning, the day that he was arriving. So, I guess to answer your question, no. I never say to myself, I'm going to record in this particular style or write a song in this particular style. It just happens that way. And, and now I can say it's possible for me to stick to that, but I don't know if I'd like to do that again. It was really, it was really difficult, actually kind of editing yourself, no, 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 don't do that, it's, it's too country, or whatever, you know? Well, you've been on the road with some pretty heavy people in the industry, and I'm, well, my question is this, like with Rufus Wainwright, what kinds of things do you learn from veterans that have been out there doing it for a long time? What do you take from them? What advice have they given you that's been pretty instrumental for you? There are, there are four that come to mind. Um, and, and all four are, are huge heroes. You mentioned Rufus, so, so let's start with that dude. What he taught me was to take chances, really. <laughs> While we worked together on his tour uh, for Out of the Game, 
We were out on the road, I don't know, maybe 10 or 11 months, and he's just incredible. His his ear is insane. He would be able to hear the, the false notes or, you know, um, the, the, the wrong fill on the drums or whatnot, and, you know, at the end of the show, in a very casual way, say, oh, we should work on this, or, you know, there's, there's a great deal of patience that, um, that he brings to it. How can I describe how he takes chances? Well, he decides that he wants to put music to Shakespeare's sonnets. Why the hell not? Okay, go ahead and do that, you know? Hmm. And likewise, uh, Joan Wasser, um, um, a.k.a. Jonas Policewoman, um, she's also someone I admire for that very reason. She takes so many chances stylistically. Um, so, so they've both taught me to to just go with my gut and if I fall flat that's okay you know it's it's not so important what it looks like at the finish line it's just reaching it you know completing completing the work and then there's um Anoni aka or formerly known as Anthony who um told me never give up your publishing (laughs) and and I I have followed I have followed that um advice uh, to heart. I mean, these days it's it's incredibly hard actually to to hold on to your music because, as as an independent musician, singer, songwriter, whatever the title is these days, that tends to be the easiest payout. You know, people aren't really buying music as as much as they used to, or as much as I still do. I still buy people's records, but to avoid that pitfall of signing everything away. I, I think it pays off in the long run. At least that's what I'm telling myself. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, those those three folks actually come to mind. Collectively, when you think about your career, how do you feel about your trajectory? You know, coming from Kansas City, going to Europe. You know, you're you're still releasing new material. You're very busy. How do you feel about how everything's kind of panned out up to this point for you? I feel like it's all been very bizarre. Hmm. And beautifully bizarre you know um i didn't really decide that this is what i wanted to do until i came here and after i left uh because music the the label that i had signed to based here in in france um it was only after breaking that contract that i said actually i want to do this (laughs) i really want to do music i guess i had just been kind of Going with the flow? Gosh, I can't believe I just did that. I hate when people make a statement and they end it with a question mark. Because I'm not asking a question. Right. I'm actually making a statement. (laughs) And the statement is, yeah, I I decided that I wanted to be a musician when I was 28, 29, that this is exactly what I want to do. And I think that's why I've been approaching the the last two albums that I've made such intent and such gusto because I've realized I suppose a bit late in the game that I'm really passionate about it that I I love the creation of it and I love the forming it but yeah as a, as a kid growing up in Southside KC I can't uh, really stress this enough just living in Europe <laughs> is pretty kooky to me you know it's, as we were saying um, before before the question started of how life is funny and and you never really know where it's going to take you so i'm i'm feeling pretty groovy about everything actually it's been one long 
surprise, and um, I'm anticipating even more surprises. Beautiful. So, yeah, I feel very fortunate. Very cool. What what kind of musical avenues opened up for you going out to France versus what was going on in Kansas City? Well, namely, playing over into the UK, um, doing the performance uh, for uh, later with Jules Holland introduced me to a lot of folks who have been doing this for a long, long time. Namely, Joe Boyd, who invited me to be a part of the tribute that he was producing and curating um, for Nick Drake, an artist that he had managed and produced. And being a part of that tribute and meeting so many incredible musicians through that, Teddy Thompson, Lisa Hannigan, Robin Hitchcock, Green Guardside, you know, all these folks, that ended up leading to another tribute, which was for Kate McGarrigal. And again, I mean, the list could go on. It's not even about bragging. It's just like, can you believe these people that are involved, you know? <laughs> um, and yeah, through, through being a part of the tribute to, to Kate, I ended up meeting Rufus and and then becoming a part of his tour um, as an opener and as a bandmate. So, um, definitely coming over to this side of the pond, it's it's made things interesting, that's for sure. What do you miss the most about Kansas City? That's such a hard question to answer. I was actually just home um, mid-September for my, my older sister's wedding, and I didn't want to leave. <laughs> you know, I was home for maybe a week. I miss everything about KC. I miss my friends. I miss the autumn. I miss the food. Everything about that town. It just feels... It's home. It's always going to be home. But specifically the season of autumn, when, when that comes into KC and you can smell the dead leaves, you know, there's this crispness in the air and... I know it's a bit belated this year, as it is kind of everywhere else, actually. Um, but when it when it rolls in, it's just it's so comforting. So I I crave that maybe the most. I miss that the most. Let me ask you this. Let me kind of get to the 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 core of the the Kansas City thrust in the music world, which has been jazz. And if you could get into a time machine and go down to eighteen of Vine and catch someone live in the jazz realm, who would you go see? Man. Well, I don't, I don't know if he ever performed um, off of Vine or not, but I recently saw the documentary on Lee Morgan and was just blown away. But I, I had heard a song here and there, had never really explored his music, and uh, over the past three days I've just been listening nonstop to him. Yeah, I, I would have loved to have caught him live. He was a beautiful creature. I'll have to, I'll have to catch that documentary for sure. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I, it it was one of those. Like when the documentary had ended, the first thing I wanted to do was listen to all these songs that had been featured. Um, you know, everyone knows the the Sidewinder, but the the music that followed. And, you know, and, and we often uh, maybe I shouldn't generalize, but hey, let's go for it. We often lean on Miles when we think of you know a jazz trumpeter. But there's I feel like they were really parallel to each other. The, the exploration that they were both making at you know key points within the the jazz canon. It's just you know one was cut off early. Who knows? Who knows where Lee Morgan could have gone? I hope that he wouldn't have gone down the avenue of Tutu though. Jesus Christ! Yeah, I really can't stand that record. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, yeah. That, 
it's, it, it would have been something, I think. The, the footage of him playing, just wow. Some true storytelling going on. You know, they always say that about people like John Coltrane because it was cut off too soon for him where he would have gone because he was such a, you know, such an innovator. And he was so spiritual. I mean, what, what came out of his horn was just oozing with 100% soul, um, yeah. you know, led by a beautiful brain and a theology that was blooming around the time that he did actually pass. In fact, I, had the, I, I was fortunate enough to interview Terry Gibbs, the vibes player, and, you know, he's 91 now and... He uh, talked about how Alice fell in love with them, and they were on tour, and she was real shy. And so was John, to a certain degree, and I guess she used to sit in the back of the club when they she first started watching him play, and she was kind of in a phone booth, and John was on stage, and she cried, and that was when the love started. She was so moved by what he was doing that she fell in love with the horn, and then just was enraptured by the magic of him, which was his horn and his, his musical voice. That that story. Incredible. Yeah, that story, when he told me, just from his voice and seeing it, that he was so blown away by it, I mean, it, 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 it's one of those moments where you're like, wow, that's when music transcends everything and just becomes exactly. love. Exactly. I was just about to say that. Those exact words, that music transcends. I mean... That's just beautiful. Man, it is. It's a great love story, you know? It's it's perhaps one of the best I've ever heard. So, you know, I always usually ask in the context of jazz, but I'm going to broaden this a little bit. I always ask, why do you love jazz? But I'm going to ask you, why do you love music? What does music do for you as a person that helps you so much live your life? Wow. Um, I don't know if I can really... I don't know if I can articulate why I love music so much. Um, I love I love where it takes me. Um, whether whether it's it's me on stage creating it or it's it's me sitting in front of the stereo. Um, it transports me. If if you if you could humor me, maybe I could I could explain that split. So while I'm on stage and my eyes are closed and I'm lost in the music and I'm singing, I feel weightless. I feel free, you know, just completely free. And it, it's addictive, really. I mean, it's, it's like those who can't face the day unless they've, you know, had yoga or, or they've meditated. You know, they've they've gone somewhere else. They've they've released their body in some way. That's how I feel when I'm singing, when I'm up there playing, and it's just the best. It's the best feeling. I mean, who who can really say that they feel free <laughs> at any given point of the day? So, yeah, for those two hours or so that I'm performing, that's that's the feeling I have. It's freedom. And then when I'm listening to it. Wow! Yeah, I'm, I'm transported. I'm I'm inspired. Uh, I'm 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 opened up. You know, something has just cracked me open, and and that's that's an addictive feeling as well. Because um, you know, so often music is is saying what we don't know how to say, or it's it's allowing us to feel what maybe we don't want to feel. You know, so there's something um, there's something deeply therapeutic about it. So I'm going to piggyback off of this a little bit and ask you this question. This is my final question. It's probably going to be the hardest one, but 
everyone has a perception of you. You know, I have a perception of who you are. Your family does, your friends, business associates, everybody else that gets involved with your live or recorded music. But I want to know your dogs. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I love the impromptu. It's jazz. No, I was saying that everyone has a perception of you, your family, your friends, your fans, your business associates. But when you wake up and you face the day, who are you? Who do you think you are? Mm. You're right. That is the hardest question. <laughs> who do I think I am? I think that, uh, wow, well, I'm, I'm me, I guess, I guess you, but that's, yeah, <laughs> I'm me, but you want to know who that me is. When I wake up in the morning, I'm, I'm Vanessa's other half. I'd like to think her better half, but she would probably say other half. I'm, I'm Serge and, and Augie. Well, Serge and Augie are my two cats. I'm their human that needs to feed them or scrape out their poo. <laughs> I'm, um, <laughs> I'm quiet me, quiet, introspective me who, you know, puts on a record and, yeah, who, who just has, has a kind of private moment, if, if that makes any sense at all. That's a really hard question. Yeah. But that's, I guess that's a description of what I do. You know what, actually, Joe? I think why this is such a hard question to answer is because I don't really know who I am. I think um, <laughs> what what you think, what my family thinks, what what the critics think, and and what the the supporters think. There's there's a little bit of truth in in all those you know perspectives and, and perceptions. Um, yeah, I'm just a I'm a conglomeration of all of that. Cool. Um, that's my final answer. I like it. That's a great final answer. The beauty of that is it's so subjective, but it all funnels into that perceptive view of who you are, you know, when you peel back all the layers. So, Crystal, thank you for taking some time out to speak with me. It was it was a real honor. It was a pleasure. Oh, thank you again for your patience and, and just taking out the time to yak a bit and for asking some really like hit my noggin against the wall questions <laughs> you know really thought-provoking i appreciate that thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another neon jazz interview where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in paris new york kansas city and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz and all that great music and thanks to crystal for her wisdom her time and her music if you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the music, my friends. Neon Jazz.